People ask me all the time, hey, can you multitask? And the answer is yes, absolutely. Oftentimes I am both laying down on my couch and screaming so loudly internally. I can relax and also feel like the world is ending. I'm very skilled. Why is it so hard to leave the narcissist? I mean, what keeps us stuck to someone who is so bad for us, so clearly not who we should be with? Why don't we walk away from narcissistic parents or friends? Maybe a better way to put it is, why do we stay with someone when they're actively why do we keep putting up with it? Why do we tolerate it? There are, of course, the obvious reasons we tolerate it and we keep sticking around. Walking on eggshells. For example, maybe you have to live with a narcissistic parent for financial reasons, or you're not willing to go no contact with your entire extended family, and you know that they won't or they can't choose you over the toxic family member that you're dealing with. Or maybe you're working on leaving your narcissistic partner, but you haven't quite figured out all the logistics yet. And there's also the possibility that you're dealing with a narcissist at work, and you're just not in a position that you can change jobs so easily, which means that you have to keep dealing with a narcissistic coworker or worse, a manager. Maybe the narcissist lives next door to you and you're not able to sell your house just yet, if at all. Or, and this is probably the one I hear more than anything else, maybe you have to co-parent with a narcissistic ex. One reason that recovering from a narcissist is so difficult is because the narcissist by nature does the push and pull thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep, that's called intermittent reinforcement and it is exactly what happens when narcissists get us addicted to them. That's how they do it. They don't realize it probably, but when they do the being kind to you for a while and then being themselves to you on other days where they're abusive, they unintentionally create this need in you to keep trying for that love bombing phase or that idealization stuff, the stuff that you thought you signed up for in the first place. So when they do this stuff, they enforce your trauma bonding. It is through intermittent reinforcement that trauma bonding works. That is exactly what causes those chemical changes in your brain where you stop being able to produce dopamine so easily and you need the narcissist to be in your life. You're addicted to them because of this intermittent reinforcement. That's when the narcissist will desperately want you one second and then the next second push you away. And it seems like the moment that they have you, you know, if they say, oh my God, I can't live without you. I don't know what I'm going to do. And you give in and you go, okay, okay, let's stay together. Within minutes, sometimes they're back on the same old track. So they want you, they get you, they push you away. It's an ongoing cycle. Being with a narcissist, you go through the love bombing phase, then you go through the devalue phase and the discard phase, and then it circles right back around to love bombing or hoovering, depending on whether or not they actually discarded you or they just mentally and emotionally discarded you and stayed in the relationship. Because of their typical cycle, they tend to want to kind of reinsinuate themselves back into your life. Ever wonder how you can tell if you're dealing with a trauma bond? What are the signs, symptoms? According to Dr. Robin Bryman, my content partner, there are certain signs you can find right in your own hand. Take a look. If I could only grab the cell phones of individuals going through a trauma bond with a narcissist who are getting breadcrumbs from a narcissist, I would look at the text on these cell phones and they would all be the same. They'd be long, drawn-out paragraphs, hours and hours of texting, of reacting to the narcissist and trying to get their points across to the narcissist. I have to tell you, the narcissist is not listening. The only thing that they're doing is getting negative supply from this. Mostly things were difficult. Mostly things weren't great, but every now and then something awesome would happen or the narcissist would do something that would make you feel kind of good, kind of warm and fuzzy inside. In an effort to obtain that again, you would stay around in the relationship. Mm, this is the worst thing ever, especially when it's especially enjoyable for you. 
But what you have going on here is a sort of trauma bond plus, you know, human nature. You're human. But let me ask you a question. When you spend time with this person, do you walk away feeling amazing? Do you walk away feeling okay? Or do you walk away feeling like total dog crap? And I'm being just really open with you here. I'm going to have to assume it's not a good thing. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here asking me this question. So ask yourself how you feel when you walk away from this person. Recognize this is something that's very normal. We become nearly physically addicted to these people. Literally the same part of the brain is affected as would be affected by drug addiction, alcohol, etc. Because I would like to tell you there is a magic solution for this problem. The problem is self-perpetuating, you see. And so each time you resist the urge to join your ex in intimacy, you will break a little bit of that neural pathway, that, that little connection in your brain that connects this person to the dopamine that you get out of the intimacy. And then you can do something different in that moment. You can break the pattern. You just have to push through that first urge, you know, and then you have to resist. And quite honestly, my suggestion to you would be to disconnect as much as possible. So don't let them text you or call you or whatever by phone, unless it's related to a child or some other shared business that you are legally required to engage in. Otherwise, my friend, no contact is the way. In the beginning, it probably happened more often than not. And as time went on, the positive reinforcement most likely became further spaced out. So less of it per negative incident. But there's also another aspect here, one that maybe you haven't considered yet. And that is that the narcissist in some ways is both the drug and the addict. This part is important. The biggest reason we put up with it is because we are addicted to the narcissist and what they do to us on some level. In other words, when it comes to being in a relationship with a narcissist, you become the addictive substance as well as the addict. Yeah, that's right. So basically look at it like this. Trauma bonding is very much like drug addiction. All right. So in the same way that your brain becomes addicted to drugs, your brain becomes addicted to that person. And that's because during the time that you are with that person, it's sort of like Stockholm syndrome, right? You develop a certain dependence with them, a codependence. And then what happens is that your brain sort of gets rewired. The way the neurotransmitters work changes, right? Your neural pathways change. So when you are in a toxic relationship, you go in these, these big ups and big downs, you know, big, I'm doing this over here where you can't see <laughs> ups and downs and the ups and downs cause this. When you go up because of a fight, an argument, whatever, you have adrenaline rush, adrenaline rush, stress, 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 cortisol. Then when you come down and again, I'm doing my little hand things. When you come down, you have a rush of dopamine and other feel good hormones, chemicals. And that my friend leads you to need to argue in order to actually feel good or need you to have stress and drama in order to actually feel good, which makes you crave that person. Because if that person is the only person who causes you to feel that kind of way, there it is. I hope that makes sense. That's kind of the layman's version, the simplest way I can explain it. So you develop a trauma bond with a narcissist and they get their own sort of drug of choice from you, which is narcissistic supply. And this is why it's so common for narcissists and sensitive broken people to get involved. Most of us have experienced some kind of trauma that eventually makes us people pleasers, to put it mildly. And that's because a lot of times we learned that putting our own needs aside in favor of keeping the narcissist happy was the only way to stay safe. You might have learned through your trauma that it's your job to take care of everyone and hold everyone together, right? 
you might have learned that just to even have love in your life, you needed to serve other people or take care of other people. Keeping those people happy might have meant safety for you. It did for me. As you're going through your recovery, you're going to find some changes. You're going to unload some baggage. You're going to take a step back and you're going to look at all that stuff you've been taking care of and only keep the stuff that's really yours. You're going to have to let some stuff go and you're going to have to let yourself feel free to do so. Release yourself from issues that don't belong to you and from trouble that doesn't belong to you. It's finally time for you to create your own space so that you can be happy. So let's talk about trauma bonding. What is that? Well, to put it really briefly, trauma bonding is sort of like Stockholm syndrome. Now in the context of a toxic relationship with a narcissist, it's a condition that causes us to develop a psychological dependence on the narcissist, sort of as a survival strategy during all that stuff. And of course, the profound and sort of all encompassing way that trauma bonding affects our brain and the way that we function in our life. Well, that makes recovering from a toxic relationship just, it feels almost impossible, but it's certainly significantly more difficult this way. So I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, how is trauma bonding possibly like a drug? I mean, technically it's not the trauma bonding you're addicted to, but the way it makes you feel. And that's the thing. See the narcissist, they keep you spinning and these extreme highs and lows associated with narcissistic behavior. Well, those can create possibly unintentional, but still existent patterns of intermittent reinforcement. And it is that type of manipulation that keeps you sort of scrambling for those little crumbs of affection. You know, the one I'm talking about, right? You're always hoping that you're going to get back to what you thought was normal or the love bombing phase. But see these crumbs, they offer tiny glimpses into that person that you originally met. And so you can't really stop trying to do more to be better, to be enough. What happens when you are given intermittent reinforcement, when you're given bouts of attention, affection, love, or breadcrumbed with little bits of affection, attention, and love by a narcissistic person. What happens when you have that go on for any period of time is you end up trauma bonded. Our brains get addicted to that process. We start to seek and try to draw attention and affection from the narcissistic person because we become addicted to that breadcrumbing intermittent in unstable, inconsistent affection and love that they give. We're constantly seeking that honeymoon period again, the beginning of the relationship again. It makes it so that the only way we get the sensation and the feeling of being loved is through that cycle. That's trauma bonding. Is it addictive? Of course. In fact, the narcissistic abuse cycle, it could go on for months, years, or even decades, and yet you still stay. But why? Well, wait a minute, let's talk about narcissistic supply. See, that is the emotional energy that narcissists sort of suck out of you, sort of pull out of other people. Maybe it includes positive or negative attention. It can include admiration. It can include, in a pinch, the joy a narcissist finds in making you angry or making you sad or any sort of extreme emotional reaction they can get from you at all. They might also get narcissistic supply from other people, including children, spouses, other family members, coworkers, neighbors, and other people in their communities, even strangers. But they will always have one or more primary sources of narcissistic supply or a narcissistic harem of sorts. All of those would be made up of different sources of supply. But how is narcissistic supply similar to a drug? Well, narcissistic supply gives narcissists a big sense of validation, makes them feel like they're worth something. And in a lot of times it reinforces their very calculated false selves. They get a rush of sort of feel good neurotransmitters when they get that narcissistic supply. And then they feel like they might almost die 
if they've been deprived of it. So you would think that that would make them people pleasers, right? But you have to remember something, narcissists will take either positive or negative supply. Now that's kind of make you wonder, well, do narcissists like to hurt people? Do they want to hurt the people they claim to love? And if they do, why would they get a thrill out of making you scream at them or making you kind of go crazy a little bit, go nuts on them? Or why would they like to make you cry? That doesn't make sense to you, right? It seems nearly impossible, but that's how it is. And I get it, trust me. But here's the thing. It seems impossible for you only because you personally cannot imagine the idea of actually enjoying the act of hurting another person in any way, emotionally or otherwise, much less doing so on purpose. And because as someone with integrity, I'm guessing it's unfathomable to you that the narcissist isn't capable of accepting responsibility for their own actions. We tend to think that we can help them do better. We think that if we just change everything we are and focus everything we have on the narcissist, well, maybe then they will love us. And you know us and our pie in the sky ideas, right? Well, see, we have this crazy idea that the narcissist should just act like a normal person, <laughs> a normal human who learns and evolves. But unfortunately, since the narcissist typically does not have well-developed emotional and compassionate empathy, while they're often pulled in by the sort of thrill of drama and they feel like getting this emotional reaction from you, whether that's positive or negative, is proof of their ability to control or sort of own you in a way. That along with the chemical reactions their brains have when they get that little zing of successfully pushing you over the edge, well, that's what makes you so addictive to the narcissist, my friend. Now let's talk about trauma bonding and narcissistic supply. It's sort of like toxic relationship glue. Okay, here's the thing. As I'm pretty sure you've probably imagined by now, there's a whole big snowball effect thing going on here, at least in most narcissistic abuse situations. The trauma bonding, it leads you to sort of stick around and raise your so-called threshold for abuse. That's the point at which you think you can't handle it any longer. And that's just about the time that you'll find yourself being hoovered right back in by the narcissist who obviously wants to drain you of your energy again. Of course, that leads you to instinctively want to stay safe. And as you desperately seek validation, you keep trying to please and get validation from anyone and everyone around you. Well, if you're anything like me, this leads us to develop a habit of avoiding conflict and doing anything we can to keep the people around us happy. Sound familiar? When we end up in a relationship with a high conflict personality like a narcissist, we end up going to almost any length to please them. And this is true even when it hurts us to do so. But because of the ingrained need that we have, maybe thanks to childhood or some other trauma, to please people around us, including the people we love and often, and especially the narcissist, well, we give and we give and we give even to our own detriment. And by nature, the narcissist is quite happy to take advantage of all of this. They want to get their needs met and they don't care who it hurts in the process. And now thanks to that lack of compassionate and emotional empathy the narcissist has going on, and of course the fact that the narcissist doesn't quite see you as a real person, but as more of an extension of themselves, who isn't quite as important or worthy as they, well, there's no level to which they will not stoop, and you have to remember that. So in other words, our trauma bonding leads us to seek approval and validation from the people closest to us, and the narcissist will absolutely on every level exploit that to get their narcissistic supply needs met. Can you see where I'm going with this? Let's talk about addiction and narcissistic abuse. What are the connections here? Clearly the addiction factor is real, but how does narcissistic abuse resemble addiction? It doesn't make sense, does it? Let's look at it this way. When a drug addict is seeking their drug of choice, literally no one is safe. And what I mean by that is they will steal from their own mama to get what they need. Have you seen this before? Well, like a drug addict, when the narcissist needs their little unconditional validation fix or that little hit of narcissistic supply in which they are absolutely absolved of their responsibility for the situation in their own life, 
they always like that. Well, no one and nothing can be as important as the fact that they really need that fix right now. So they will take anything and everything from you without reservation, without remorse to get what they need. And this will of course begin with your self-worth, your sense of security, your sense of well-being. you name it, they want to take it from you. And this is partially to control you, of course. And often the narcissist needs to see you as that extension of self in order to feel good about themselves at all. Now I know, I know what you're thinking right about now, right? Something along the lines of, wait, what? Are we really addicted to those jerks? That's ridiculous. And could they really be addicted to us? I mean, they don't even seem to like us most of the time. So what are you talking about, crazy lady? Well, some version of that. Okay, I get it. But listen, sometimes the narcissist might actually seem to like you, right? Sometimes they throw out those little intermittent reinforcement crumbs, remember? Then moments later, seconds later, they might have serious disdain and contempt for you. But the truth is that we are addicted in part because we believe we can help them change and grow. And we keep trying for the most part because you and me, we're sort of those people. We're the people who do the right thing. Well, we try to, but what we all have to recognize is that a narcissist, they aren't capable of evolution. They don't change, or at least they won't change. They can't accept responsibility for even who they are because seeing themselves in a distorted mirror, they can't see it. Narcissists see themselves as sort of untouchable, better than everyone else. In fact, they generally see most other people not as individuals in their own right, but as I said, as simple extensions of themselves. So in order to maintain the facade of their false self, the narcissist needs to keep people around them who will enhance that overblown version of themselves. But when the narcissist's extensions turn out to be whole real people with real thoughts and feelings, well, they don't like it. They can't, or at least they won't accept or tolerate it because it threatens to knock them off that sort of self-constructed pedestal. That of course leads to the narcissist poking and pulling and whatever they can to get your attention or anyone else in their pattern as they seek additional attention drama and eventually they'll be looking for a new narcissistic supply. The bottom line is that both a narcissist and a drug addict always put their own needs first without fail when they're seeking their drug of choice. And without realizing it, many victims of narcissistic abuse become addicted to it as well, which makes the narcissist and their source of narcissistic supply, both the victim and the drug. All right, so how do you deal with your addiction to the narcissist? Well, ideally, obviously you would move on, move away from them, go no contact with anyone who's actively abusing you, which means getting focused on planning your escape and working to execute the steps involved, the steps that you need to take to get out, right? And then of course, you're gonna wanna block them on all forms of social media, on your phone and anywhere else you can, and then you don't have to deal with them anymore. And then you can get to the business of healing yourself. But what do you do if you can't leave and you can't go no contact? Well, if you have kids or any type of ongoing legal business or anything else that you must deal with a narcissist for, you might not be able to go completely no contact just yet. So rather than willingly handing over your emotional energy and health to this soul-sucking narcissist, well, this is when you go gray rock, as in keeping your emotional energy to yourself and sort of being boring to the narcissist. Gray rock is gonna help the narcissist learn that they won't get attention from you if they remain abusive, if they are disrespectful or whatever. So they're either going to ignore you or try to be nicer to you or more likely they're going to move on and try to find a new source of narcissistic supply and sometimes it works especially if you can stand to block them and to be very firm in your boundaries but often inevitably the narcissist will do anything they can to pull you back into the relationship they can't stand to see you at peace my friend and if you don't have a spine of steel you might end up falling for their manipulative tricks again this brings me to the question of the day and the question of the day is can you see how the narcissist and their source 
of supply can serve as both the drug and the addict in this situation. Share your thoughts, share your ideas, share your experiences in the comment section below and let's talk about it. As always, thank you so much for being a part of my day and a part of my life and hey, thanks for letting me be a part of yours. It really does mean a lot to me. Now before I go, make sure you take a look at the videos I'm going to leave for you right there and right there. And while you're here, hit that subscribe button right over there so we can stay connected and continue on this healing journey together. I'll see you soon.